When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. The folks from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen continue to like fill this category for me of cookbooks that just feel like they're fun and motivating and approachable and exciting. So I have two. They're from Carla Lolly Music and Molly Boz. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Hey guys, before we jump into today's conversation, we want to take a second to encourage you to join the Didn't I Just Feed You community. It's free. It's easy. And we're there. And more importantly, a whole bunch of you guys are there too, sharing tips, sharing stories, asking and answering questions. It's the best place to be on the internet, if you ask me. And all you need to do is share your email with us. Nobody else. Personally, we think that makes it safer and even easier than, I don't know, a Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link in our show notes to make it easy for you to join, or you can go to the community page on our site, or find us on Instagram where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You, and grab that link in the bio any old time. And hey, if you guys are able to comfortably support Didn't I Just Feed You, if you feel like we give you tons of value and maybe you want some perks too, then we would love to welcome you to our community as a supporting member. Supporting members can pledge their support monthly or annually, and they receive awesome perks, including two bonus episodes every single month, live events, lifetime access to a private Instagram feed, a huge quarterly giveaway, and we're actually going to also be getting opinions from our supporting members about what more they want to see, how we can add maximum value to that community. So it really is a worthwhile place if it's something that you can afford. I'm just going to add that I think community support makes a great gift for one of your friends. Maybe you know someone who's an avid listener and they would like to join in on the fun gift away. Okay. Enough about us. It's time to get into one of our favorite episodes of the year. It might be our longest running annual tradition to talk about cookbooks with Brian Hogan Stewart of Salt and Spine podcast. Brian Hogan Stewart is the host and creator of Salt and Spine, a top-rated podcast on the stories behind cookbooks. Salt and Spine features in-depth interviews with cookbook authors from Nigella Lawson to Samin Nosrat to Jacques Pepin, recorded at San Francisco's The Civic Kitchen. The show also features regular commentary from Celia Sack of Omnivore Books, Paula Forbes of Stained Page News, and other guests. A cookbook-obsessed former journalist, Stewart is a once-budding chef who skipped culinary school to pursue communications and has worked in journalism, new media, and politics. Brian is a native of Iowa, is a degree in journalism, English, and American studies from the University of Iowa, and he lives in San Francisco with his wife and young daughter, and we just love having him and are so impressed and excited by how much Salt and Spine has grown over the last three years, kind of in tandem with us. We all kind of launched at the same time, right? We did, and... I think this episode, this year's cookbook episode is epic. Like we threw so many categories at Brian. In the past, we've done like four or five and then we asked him about his favorites, but we like get really into it. So I think we should jump right in to hear from Brian. Brian, you're back. Yes. I think you might be, I probably said this last year too. (laughs) (laughs) You might have the most guest appearances on Didn't I Just Feed You of any other guest. 
Wow. Very highly esteemed position. <laughs> I, I feel so honored and I'm glad I, I was able to retain that title. <laughs> well, yes. listen, we love this because it's gone from just having you guess to being a real didn't I just feed you tradition to talk about cookbooks this time of year, to reflect back on what's come out over the course of the year, to give people ideas for holiday season gifting, and also just to talk to you. It's our favorite thing to do. It really is. We talk about it all the time. We're like, oh, we get to interview Brian again. And then we both leave with a long list of cookbooks that we're going to buy. Yes. I know. Which <laughs> is not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing. Not the worst thing. So great to talk to you always, too. This is it. This is the one we got to power through our lists. All right. I want to start with something that I'm excited about, which is gathering again. So, you know, we're shifting into this new phase of life where, you know, COVID is probably just going to be a reality like the flu. And for those of us who feel comfortable, whatever the circumstances, getting together with people, what are the cookbooks that we should be grabbing so that we can cook up big meals for getting together with our family and friends? Yes. I I love that we're kicking off with this because I'm so excited to be able to like have people over again in safe ways and like be able to to share meals with people like we yes. haven't been able to. So I have two that I, I think fit this category really well. The first is Food Between Friends, which is the cookbook that came out earlier this year from the actor Jesse Tyler Ferguson, um, who I think folks know from Modern Family, and um, Julie Tanis, who's a food writer, recipe developer. It's just a really fun cookbook. And I think sometimes celebrity cookbooks get a little bit of a bad rap, right? Because sometimes they can be kind of commissioned by somebody else and handled by somebody else and like they're not invested in it. This is really like a labor of love for Jesse and Julie. They became friends sort of coincidentally. They started cooking together purely just because they enjoyed each other's company. And it, it's really easy recipes that you could make for a small dinner party or a crowd. And there's some wonderful desserts in here, but just like leafing through it and reading it they're both hilarious and that comes through in their writing and you just see this like energy around cooking and cooking together and like sharing food and sharing cooking with other people that it's just so fun and there's a recipe in here that i've made like five times already since i got this cookbook it's a ground beef taco and they put pickle juice and pickles in the taco yes on hard shells it's amazing the my wife does not love pickles and she like is obsessed with these tacos too. So food between friends. So good. I love that you started with this. They have such a fun relationship that seems so yes. genuine. It really, it really is. Cause you know, I interviewed them and I talked to each of them about how they met and it's like, what is it like to sort of just like, she just sat down next to this like big celebrity and she knew who he was, but before long they're like, like the next day they're FaceTiming, FaceTiming each other about when they can come and cook together. So like it really was this friendship that started because of their love of food. And it is just like so genuine and it's so nice to see. Yes. I am so glad you mentioned other recipes in that cookbook because I have it and I just keep making uh, over and over again the oatmeal cream pie muffins, oh, which I have like a those. cream cheese frosting on them. And they're, that would be a really fun dessert, but they're also, or like a brunch, you know, if you're hosting people for brunch. Um, but they're really great, like kid breakfast. It feels like a win during the week. They're like, ooh, we're having cupcakes for breakfast. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is a great book for, for kids and families, too, because they're both parents. And so they understand yeah. that, that it's not always easy to get dinner on the table. The other one that I think is really fun for parties, parties, small dinner parties, what have you, entertaining, is Come On Over from Jeff Morrow of the Food Network. He's one of the co-hosts on The Kitchen. Um, it's his first cookbook. And he's, you know, Italian-American, lives in Chicago. He kind of is... He's built sort of uh, a personality. His, his personality is sort of based on feeding people and entertaining. And the titles literally come on over. And I don't know if you've seen the cover, but he's like, he's got the phone, like the old school phone propped up on his shoulder, like inviting somebody for dinner. And they're just, it's full of recipes that are great for entertaining. There's a couple takes on like a seafood boil in here. So the traditional boil where you dump 
the crawfish and the potatoes out on the table. Instead, he does like a uh, Italian sub boil. So you layer all of the like deli meat and the lettuce and the oh, onions. Oh yeah, yeah, and you just like dive in. And then he has a nacho boil too. Um, and they're just like the photos. I didn't bookmark them to like. And I know folks can't see, so you'll have to go like track down the cookbook <laughs> to see how beautiful the photos are. But they look like modern pieces of art. Like you just cover a table in paper and just like lay it all out and and dive in. So that's a really fun one too for just like easy entertaining recipes. It's like a riff on the gathering board, but in a more mm. thoughtful, hearty way, right? Like a gathering board, sometimes you, if you're eating and drinking, you might, you might not eat enough. Right. It also feels so appropriate for the time because gathering boards are so composed and like Instagrammable and there's like little sections for all these things and artful. And there's something really beautiful for this moment that just feels big and home style like riffing off of these comfort foods like nachos and Italian subs. That's just so like, I don't know, down and dirty because we're just so excited to all gather and be together again. Like it's not about like anything being picture perfect. It's just like being together and joy. Totally. Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, why do a cheese board when you can do an Italian sub board? Like, yeah, I'm it's saying. so unexpected and fun. I feel like, and just like I'm going to yeah. say that every day now. Get it on a pillow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. On the whole other end of the spectrum, Stacy asked you about like what her fantasy life is right now. And my real life is I am so tired of cooking, but I still want to eat well and like have things that are flavorful and not super basic. So what are your favorite cookbooks for those of us who are just really tired of cooking? Yes. So I'm going to say it's the Bon Appetit team. The folks from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen continue to like fill this category for me of cookbooks that just feel like they're fun and motivating and approachable and exciting. So I have two and it's um, they're from Carla Lolly Music and Molly Boz, two of the like icons that emerged from the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen. So this is Carla Lolly Music's second cookbook. It's called That Sounds So Good, 100 Real Life Recipes for Every Day of the Week. She's a mom. She is a food professional. Like She just knows how to approach food in ways that I think flavor combinations feel so exciting. The presentation and design of the book is just like bright and warm and feels really accessible. So I'm really excited about that one. It's just coming out now. I haven't actually cooked from it yet. Um, and then Molly Boz's book earlier this year is called Cook This Book, which she's just done incredibly well. Like she's the internet is obsessed with her. Um, <laughs> and rightly which so. Which is because, fair. Yeah. Yes. Her recipes are so delicious and so craveable. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I've had her on on Salt and Spine before, and she was wonderful and lovely to talk to. So this is not an insult, but she does annoy me sometimes a little bit with her little like abbreviations. You know, she calls sandwiches sandos, and <laughs> yes. Caesar salad is say salad. Sometimes it's like a little yeah. hokey for me, but but I get it because you know she's meeting the moment and meeting people where they are and making it fun and exciting and like. I have cooked a number of things from Cook This Book, and they've all just been so delicious. So Bon Appetit Test Kitchen ladies like have launched these incredible careers and are really making like cooking exciting again, I think. I love that you paired them together in the same category because they are also like in real life friends and they do a really yeah. cute Instagram series where they like send each other ingredients and then they cook together. That's also worth checking out if you need some inspiration. We'll definitely link to it in show notes. Yeah, it's so fun. It's called, I think they call it You've Got Snacked. Yes, it's something with snacking. It's yeah. hilarious. Uh -huh. But yeah, they they have a great rapport and they're just, they're so fun to, they're so present on the internet and so fun and it feels like we're part of their kitchen kind of. Yes. Okay. We talked about our fantasy. We talked about our real life. And now I want to just get down to some brass tacks. What if you have a friend who's always bringing you cookies and cakes? 
<laughs> and actually, this is part fantasy too, because Megan and I don't live close enough for her to actually bring them to my house as frequently as I would love. But I'd like to think of Megan as that friend to me. So what baking books would you have me consider gifting Megan? Yes. So I have two. And one is more general and one is sort of more niche. So we'll start with the general one, which is called Life is What You Bake It. It's from Valerie Lomas, who I think some folks, like she's she's got a little bit of a following now, but she was uh, the winner of the Great American Baking Show, which for some really unfortunate reasons was like cut and did not air. And so she had this incredible story she was well, the first black woman to win any of the great american or the great baking series is you know between british and now the american version and then she just didn't get that opportunity for the world to see it so she really kind of harnessed that moment and built her her food career for herself she's an ex-lawyer actually she um, left her law career because she loved food and baking so much and so this is her first cookbook it's called life is what you bake it and it's really just it, like there's a wonderful story throughout of just like perseverance and like following your your passion but the recipes just are so delicious like she has apple cider fritters in here which it's like it's really started to feel like fall for me lately so i'm like really excited about those and some really wonderful like updated recipe updated family recipes like classic family recipes of hers for baked goods so it feels like fun and approachable and a great like sort of bible to have in your kitchen if you want some new new and like diverse baking projects you know there's things from cakes to cookies to what have you so i really love this book. That. megan do you have this book yet i don't oh, you're about I to <laughs> i love this book i think it's fantastic i love valerie she also has a fantastic energy so we're going to link to her instagram as well but i like that also she expands baking beyond just like cakes and cookies and things that people might traditionally think of as just, you know, snack time or dessert time. And there's right. like breakfast baking, you know, there's right. like baking for all these different times of day and occasions that I like really love as someone who's not naturally a baker. Yeah, I I feel like if... If she can leave her career as a lawyer to pursue baking, like anything is possible for all of us. The other one that I'm really excited about, which is a little more niche, but I'm I'm just I haven't actually got it yet in front of me, but I'm so excited for it. Is called uh, Moon Mooncakes and Milk Bread, and it's by Christina Cho. Stacy, you look really excited I'm about this. I'm so excited <laughs> that you put this on. Yes. So the Christina Cho is um, based in the Bay Area, and this cookbook is basically like a deep dive into recipes from Chinese bakeries, um, and it's billed from the publisher as sort of the first of its kind, like that a, a book that really looks at Chinese bakeries and features the recipes in this way doesn't really exist. And it's such a wonderful topic, like I'm just kind of so thrilled that it's it's now real and that we we have this and particularly you know i live in the bay area so like going to chinatown and going to the chinese bakeries is always such a fun like weekend activity and being able to recreate some of those recipes is so exciting and compelling and just like there's so much history and legacy there and she's really presenting things in a beautiful way like the photography is stunning um so i'm I haven't cooked from it yet or baked from it yet, but I'm just, I'm so excited to see that book and so thrilled to, to start making my way through it soon. Yes. And as a like professional baker, that's the kind of book that I appreciate because it's approachable for anyone. But for me who like, I make cookies and cakes so often being able to stretch and make something that I don't always go to is so good for my creativity. And totally. I haven't found my great like Chinese market here in Chattanooga yet. So to be able to make those things will be really fun. Yeah. I'm going to also like jump us ahead because I need to gift something to Stacy and I want to be like a little bit strategic about this. So maybe could you recommend a cookbook or two that is like for a teenager who doesn't maybe want to cook but we're going to gift it to Stacy so that maybe it motivates him to cook or have an interest in cooking. I like your strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being sneaky. It's a strategy. 
I have like a theme this year for if you're looking for uh, a cookbook or cookbooks for teens or parents of teens who want to do more cooking. And the theme is TikTok. I mean, TikTok oh, is yes. huge. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. okay. I, I spend way too much time on TikTok. It's so fascinating because food content on TikTok is just really, it has really taken off and it's built some real sort of micro celebrities, um, some of whom had a following before, but some of whom sort of rode the TikTok wave to like become food influencers and are now getting cookbook deals. And I think it's it's so fascinating. One of the most well-known TikTok people is Poppy O'Toole. So I, I'm not sure how much of a following she has with teens. I think she's really big on TikTok, but like she has a new book called Poppy Cooks, um, The Food You Need. And I'm really excited about that. And then I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but Aten Burnath is a young TikTok star. He's 19 years old and he creates food content and he has his first cookbook coming soon too. I think it's about to come out. And so I think there's like, those are two examples, but there's a number of TikTok cookbooks. There's even an official sort of, or unofficial like TikTok cookbook that features all of the viral recipes right remember we had the like dalgona coffee that everybody was making there's a vodka sauce that's really popular on tiktok so like a number of those <laughs> exist <favorite>. yes <laughs> okay so there's a number of different tiktok cookbooks but that's my like recommendation this year for teens interested in cooking is like just lean into the tiktok Trends this is so crazed. on the nose for Stacy's real life. I mean, <laughs> in the last couple of months, she posted on Instagram about how Isaac, her oldest son, he was sick, so he didn't eat for a little while. And then when he finally came out, he, he wasn't like binging shows or doing like movie marathons. When he emerged from his room and he was finally hungry, it was like TikTok videos. And he was like, I want this viral ramen recipe. And Stacy was right. able to recreate it. So such a good recommendation. It's yeah. exactly spot on. I mean, that's, he's just not that interested in food in general. Like he loves to eat, but he just likes to eat what tastes good. If making food is too hard, like if I'm not home and he needs to make himself a sandwich and he feels lazy, he just won't eat, you know, or he'll yeah. order. It's just not essential to him the way it is to us. <laughs> and that's how some people are. But TikTok is the first thing that has like really turned him on where he's like, Oh, like this is cool. Like, can we make this? So I'm I'm psyched about these recommendations. Yeah, I think that's so great to hear because it is it's so interesting how well food content does on TikTok and and also like how, you know, since we're talking about cookbooks, how fast it's like shifting the industry. I mean, people are getting cookbook deals like already who, you know, people of course got cookbook deals from Instagram and other places and gaining big followings, but it's really become another like important vehicle for elevating food celebrities and, and in particular a number of young ones. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like when TikTok first launched, there was this conversation among food professionals, especially ones who produce content for social media, like, oh, should we get on TikTok? And a lot of us who were already established, maybe a little older, were like, <laughs> no, like that's not the right format. That's not where our people are, you know. And we were wrong. And I love how it actually created space for new and younger food professionals and food lovers, if they're not professional, mm -hmm. to experiment and expand and kind of change the way we were thinking about food videos and recipes in a way that's really useful that like we couldn't have done because that's right. just not our frame of reference. I think it's very cool. That's such a good point. I think we're going to have yeah. to get a whole other episode about TikTok food going now. Actually, we yeah. totally should. <laughs> Before we hear more from Brian, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, 
Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Home Threads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Okay, can we talk about our audience though? Yeah, maybe not. Let's get back to it. And they need more cookbooks for weeknight cooking. Yes. One of the ones that I have loved the most this year for weeknight cooking is um, To Asia with Love from Hetty McKinnon. She's written a number of cookbooks. I think this might be her fourth, actually. So these are everyday Asian recipes. And it's just, it's a beautiful book. She's shot all the photography herself on a still camera. Uh, Her dad was a photographer. So that was really a way for her to pay homage to him. So it's just like, it's a stunning book to leaf through. But all of the recipes come together so easily. And they're really healthy. I mean, she's vegetarian. So the recipes by nature are vegetarian, but it's not, build as a vegetarian book and you don't look at it and think I'm picking up like a vegetarian book for dinner. One of my favorite recipes that I've made a couple of times is a pad thai salad. So it's got the flavors of pad thai, but it's in a it's cold and it's a noodle salad and it's like a really easy weeknight meal that comes together really quickly. So that has been like on my cookbook stand for the last couple of months pretty regularly cooking through that one. And the other that I just really love for weeknight cooking, another sort of classic author that I go to often is Julia Tertian. She has a new book called Simply Julia. We all love Julia Tertian. This is her latest book, and it's 110 Easy Recipes for Healthy Comfort Food. And her recipe, I mean, she's not a person who really like builds recipes in this way, like the five ingredient cookbook. But like, if you went through this cookbook, so many of them are five ingredients or six ingredients and they're delicious and come together so so quickly too. Um, I've cooked a lot from this book. She has a sticky chicken that's sort of like, a, there's like honey and soy sauce and it's a really simple sauce that goes on cubed chicken breast that's really delicious. The one that like really surprised me and wowed me that I made a while ago is these fish cakes. So she uses canned salmon, I believe, which like I'm not a usually a person who like reaches for canned salmon. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah. But um she puts potato chips in, like a little bit of potato chips, um, and ricotta and like serves Ooh. them with some some green peas. And they are these really simple fish cakes that just come together in like no time, so easy and so delicious and like 
now I'm like stocking up on canned salmon, something yes. I never thought I'd be doing, but they're delicious. So I, I love Julia Tertian's work and that new book is just really wonderful too. That's from earlier this year, the spring. Okay, more for home cooks. We know people are thinking about just knocking out dinners on weeknights. We covered that. But what about home cooks who are looking to expand their home cooking horizons? Maybe they were inspired by cooking over the pandemic. Maybe they're just tired of cooking the same old thing and want to get into something kind of new, new flavors, new techniques. What do you think they should grab off the bookshelf? I mean, there's so many wonderful ones I could recommend because I think the publishing industry is just really moving in a direction of cookbooks that really take a closer look at like cuisines that don't get a lot of attention or sub cuisines because you know there's there's large countries and large cuisines that have so many variances based on region or what have you but if i had to pick one i think the one i'm really excited about this year is bryant terry's new book black food stories art and recipes from across the african diaspora so Bryant Terry is a cookbook author already. He's written a number of really incredible vegan cookbooks. Um, and this is the first book from his new publishing house. So that he's actually, he's got a publishing arm now that is um, designed to elevate stories and voices from people of color and particularly doing that through cookbooks. I um, didn't realize this was his own because I'm a yeah. huge fan of Bryant. This is the we need to get him on the show. We've tried, but he was busy at the time, so I'm gonna reach out again. He's a very busy person. Yeah, he is. (laughs) I know. I know. It was legitimate. Uh, I'm just saying, Bryant, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I didn't realize that this was him expanding on his own and like moving into publishing and creating that platform. Yes, amazing. The it's called Four Color Books and it's a new imprint with um like 10 speed Clarkson Potter. Awesome. But they're focused on publishing people of color and publishing awesome. cookbooks. And this is a compilation. So he's got over a hundred different people, a hundred different black cultural luminaries that contributed to this book. So there's dozens and dozens of recipes, there's essays, there's stories, but it's just like this wonderful way to like sort of broaden your horizons both intellectually right like there's essays in here there's a lot of content here but also just like really incredible recipes so i think i could name a number of other like regional cookings and things that would be really fun for people to dive into but i think this is there's a lot of excitement around this book and this is one that i think would be great to have on your shelf and just go to pretty regularly to to broaden your horizons in that way it does very much feel like a new classic, like a mm-hmm. like a joy of cooking or silver spoon. Is it silver spoon or silver palette cookbook? Like, yeah, you have to have it because all of the like regular recipes that you should be cooking are there. Right. Um, I'm so curious because you mentioned Brian Terry. If this ca- is categorized as vegan cookbook because that's what he's written previously, or if you have other vegan and vegetarian cookbooks that you would also recommend. This one is not. Uh, I know he is is vegan and writes vegan cooks, but black food is broader. There, there's a few vegan and vegetarian cookbooks that I really loved. One is to Asia with Love, which we just talked about. So that is a wonderful weeknight one, but it also happens to be vegetarian. And then here's another hybrid one. So the Korean vegan cookbook is also a TikTok star, um, but yes. is this like really exciting? cookbook that is all vegan adaptations and interpretations of traditional Korean recipes. She also actually is a lawyer, was a lawyer, um, maybe still is a lawyer, I think might still work as a lawyer, but like, maybe there's another theme here of like lawyers leaving their careers or or starting up side hustles for food, food uh, projects and cookbooks. But that one, um, I haven't cooked much from yet, but I'm, it's beautiful. And I'm really excited about and then Heidi Swanson, who is really well known for her 101 Cookbooks blog, has a new book this year called Supernatural Simple. That's wonderful vegetarian recipes, many of them vegan. And her food is just so comforting and sort of like humble in a really delicious way. Like it just treats ingredients really well. Um, so those are a couple of the vegan and vegetarian ones I've been excited about. I want to ask you some personal questions. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, like your personal cookbooks, like what is 
one that you feel like one cookbook that you're from the last year that is like your favorite or that you cook from the most? Yeah. That is always a tough one because I feel like I'm cooking through so many and I try to mix it up a little bit. But I would say the past year, I've probably spent the most time with Simply Julia from Julia Tertian. I know we already talked about that, but that's that's the one that's like my go-to. Um, and then I've been revisiting some classics too. Like a lot of the weeknight books that I've loved in the past Jessica Batalana's repertoire is one of my like ultimate go-tos. Um, she has like this amazing green goddess salad. There's a chicken and dumplings in there that I make a lot. So I've been like sort of relying on some of my favorites, which I think is not that strange if you think about the times we've been living in. Like it's fun to have new and exciting ones, but I often like when I'm, you know, stuck at home in a pandemic and feeling like, what am I going to cook this week? It's kind of nice to like pull out some of those ones that really got a lot of love two or three years ago and haven't lately. So that's kind of been what my year has looked like. Okay. So kind of riding that and maybe you have something to add here. Maybe you don't, but not just favorites from the last couple of years, but how about a classic cookbook that you still think is highly giftable? something that maybe you think is absolutely essential for everybody to own. Yeah. You know, I think for me, it's not anything by Nigella Lawson. I think if you're going to, if you're looking for a not new cookbook, although she does have a new cookbook, actually, I think this year, earlier this year, if you're looking for a classic cookbook that you want to gift someone, anything by her is just going to be perfect because her writing is so wonderful. I mean, I was making a recipe of hers the other day and just the way she describes the act any of the acts that are taking place in a recipe is just so like her language is just beautiful her prose is beautiful and it like isn't just in the head notes like the actual instructions through the recipe are just so lovely to read so anything by her i think is still like on my list of like i need a gift for someone a nigella cookbook is like a wonderful housewarming type gift or holiday gift And then I have a friend who just said they were going to Zuni Cafe for lunch today. And so I was thinking about how much I love that cookbook too. And I think that's another classic that has been so influential for so many people, professional and home cooks alike, that it's a wonderful one to gift to someone and have if they're a cookbook lover. Yeah, I mean, that roast chicken, you can't go wrong. And we talk to so many professional cooks and chefs on Salt and Spine, and the number of people who say the Zuni Cafe cookbook was crucial for them and developing as a cook themselves is is interesting. So it's certainly one that I think is still relevant and wonderful. I love this question, Stacey, and category because I think sometimes, and obviously we're, we're a little guilty of it, right? Like we bring you on and we want to talk about all the cookbooks that came out this year, but there's something to be said about like the well-worn cookbooks on our shelves and who we gift those to. Like, I remember growing up, my mom had a copy of the joy of cooking right? and my siblings and I like fought over who gets to have mom's copy of joy of cooking with her little notes in the margins which when we left the house, she gifted us all our own copies, which is kind of like a funny story, right? Like nobody's getting her copy. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're each getting our own. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something also like, you don't have to buy a new cookbook. You can find these books that we're talking about as classics, like in a used bookstore, secondhand. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great opportunity to gift something without spending a lot of money. Can I throw a surprise question at you? Sure. But it just occurred to me that there are a whole bunch of cookbooks that got released in 2020 that didn't get quite the same kind of push and press because of the pandemic. (laughs) It's just personal to me. You know, like we couldn't go on tours. We couldn't do appearances. We couldn't, some of us even get to television because some of the books that were released were released early in the pandemic before people were even figuring out how to do Zoom media appearances. So is there any cookbooks that you want to give a shout out to from 2020 or any span in the pandemic that you 
feel like was really great and didn't get quite enough love? That's a great question. And, you know, it's also hard because the past two years have felt like a blur. So I'm yes. like, what was 2020 and what 100%. was 2021? Um, but there certainly are a few. I mean, your book is wonderful, Stacey, I will say. Thank you. And don't feel the- pressured to do that. I'll talk about my stuff. <laughs> don't worry. I'm going to talk about it. But yeah. No, no, it, it is. And the um, the recipe I make pretty regularly from there is the um, Indian chicken thighs. I love that so you make good. that because I think that that's, I think my audience and the people who would pick up that book, that recipe feels a little bit outside of what might be their comfort zone. And the classic fried chicken recipe is so popular. But that yeah. is actually one of my favorites because like when I'm feeling inspired, that's the kind of thing that I love to cook myself. So yes, totally. So I, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, and then I, I don't know. I feel like there are books. I think a number of the ones that I really love from 2020 did get some good attention despite the pandemic. One that I think sort of interestingly to me didn't get quite as much attention was Vivian Howard's new book um, because her first book got so much attention, right? She wrote Deep Run Roots and folks may know her from her PBS show, Um, but she had a new book that came out in fall of 2020 called This Will Make It Taste Good. I think maybe we even talked about it on our cookbook episode last year. I was going to say, I know for a fact that we linked to it in last year's cookbook guide. And I actually, I just made another recipe from that this week. And it's it's so wonderful because it's built around these like staples that you make um, and then recipes that use those so you make a huge batch of like caramelized onions which is what i did earlier this week and almost ruined one of my pans i've been like barkeepers friending it um because i forgot that the onions were on the stove but but i salvaged the onions unclear about the pan still but i've got the onions and now like there's this beautiful like monkey bread type um dish that uses Mm. caramelized onions and cheese like savory monkey bread so she has like a strawberry jam that then is reapplied to all these other different recipes. So, you know, I was sort of surprised that that one didn't get quite as much love as I thought it would because she's so wonderful and her recipes are so wonderful. So I think that would be the one that comes to mind off the top of my head. Okay. I think that's a great pick. I have one more question, but yeah. Stacy looks like she's going to come in with another surprise question. No, no, not at all. I think that this last question is the one that we all really, really want to know. Wait, is it? I think I, so. So my question was, you know, we record a little bit before the end of the year, every year with you. Are Is there a cookbook that you don't have your hands on yet, but you're like highly anticipating you can't wait to cook from? Okay, good. Yes, I, I there is, and um, it. I think it comes out late November, so I haven't yet gotten my hands on it. It's the new book from Joshua McFadden. I think folks might remember his first book was called Six Seasons, won a number of awards. It was a way to cook with produce in particular and like seasonally it's not a vegetarian cookbook one of my favorite recipes in his first book is like a a broccoli and beef dish with a a golden raisin vinaigrette that's so delicious Um, his new book is called grains for every season rethinking our way with grains and you know he really i think that book really changed how I think about vegetables and how I cook with vegetables. And so I'm really excited for this book because he dedicates it to how to use barley, brown rice, corn, oats, quinoa, like wild rice. It's just sort of this, I think somewhat, you know, having not seen it, somewhat comprehensive book. And his recipes are always just like, for a professional chef, his recipes are really approachable and um, not too time intensive. And so that's the one I'm like, really eager to get still this fall. Also, isn't that everything that you want to eat in like January? Maybe, I mean, Mm. I know there's the whole like, oh, we're going to put everything in the slow cooker and we're going to have like stews and stuff, but also like a beautiful grain salad that incorporates those seasonal vegetables sounds so good to me right now. So I think I'll be craving that even in the new year. Yeah, I think you're totally right. But I'm I'm even just looking at some of the recipes here and like there's certainly like grain salads and like a buckwheat lime and herb salad, but there's also like 
meatloaf with barley and mushrooms mm, or peanut nice. butter barley cookies. Like it's his recipes really sort of run the gamut. And so I think it's it, it'll be an exciting one to to have. Yeah. Expanding your thoughts about grains too, because I wouldn't have thought about cookies in there. Yeah, there's another book this year called Mother Grains um, by, I'm forgetting her name, Roxana something, um, that also has a, a cookie recipe that uses some grains that I know has been popular. So something to look into, grains and cookies. Just add it to my list. <laughs> yeah. All right, before we let you go, are there any? is there any category or anything that we didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? I feel like we were pretty thorough, you know, we hit a lot of the one it's hard because there's so many I'm excited about, but I think we hit some of the big ones. So good. Well, we are always so happy to see your face and have you on the podcast. And thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Brian. Yeah. It's so much fun talking with both of you always and happy cookbooking. Stacy, I feel like we should get Samantha to add a like add to cart noise that just happens <laughs> after every cookbook I love that. that Brian mentioned. Like I feel like I had many, many of the cookbooks on my wish list. And now I'm just like, you know what? Brian said they're great. I'm buying them. Gifting 100%. myself the gift of cookbooks. What was one cookbook? that either Brian mentioned or maybe that he didn't mention that is on your wish list this year. Okay, so he actually mentioned all of the ones that I could think of from this year. Okay. So I'm actually going to mention one from last year. Okay, was is that is it okay? winner chicken dinner? No, <laughs> it's not. I have okay, I'm I just kidding have with you. copies. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I really want and don't have yet the Barbuto Cookbook. The full title is the Barbuto Cookbook, California Italian Cooking from the Beloved West Village Restaurant. It's by Jonathan Waxman. There's a forward by Marcus Samuelson. Jonathan Waxman is a wonderful chef who owns a restaurant called Barbuto in the West Village of New York City in Manhattan. It's such a fantastic, it has a neighborhood vibe, but, you know, he's a famous chef and it became kind of world-renowned, but it still managed to always keep this gray neighborhood New York City energy. And then it closed and it was heartbreaking. And it turns out that Barbuto has just recently reopened. And it's such a joy. It's such a New York City landmark. And I'm going to just say it because I know everybody loves Zuni's chicken. Legit. It's for real. It's delicious. I've cooked it. I've eaten it at the restaurant. But Jonathan Waxman's roast chicken, number one, hands down. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. And I've written a book on chicken. It's so freaking delicious. And it has a little bit more of like a home style vibe to it. Like so much of his cooking, just really relaxed, but absolutely like top notch everything. So I want to get my hands on this cookbook. Okay. I'm so glad slash I think it's a little funny because your cookbook is like a restaurant chef cookbook. And the cookbook that I wanted to shout out that we didn't talk about with Brian is also a restaurant cookbook. I'm thinking of Mr. Jews in Chinatown yes. by Brandon Jew. It's a book I already own. So I'm not saying it's on my wish list, but I kind of oh. think everyone should have it. I'm going to make you pick another one, <laughs> but go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. I want, I want to know something that's on your wish list. <laughs> well, all, like I want, this will make it taste good. And Molly Boz's cook this book. I already have Jesse Shevchuk's cookie book that I think everyone should be picking up, you know? So there's kind of that bit of it where it's like, I have most of the cookbooks I want or I'm buying them for myself. But can we talk about Mr. Jews in Chinatown? Yes. Um, we had Christine Gallery who helped with produce all the recipes in the book on as a guest and she talked to us about like what it's like to turn restaurant recipes into a cookbook but i just think it's like a beautiful book and sort of like with to asia with love it's all the things that you like want to eat and cook at home and maybe you just like need a little more guidance on how to do that in a smart 
way. So I think everyone should get it. You're going to make me pick another cookbook. I mean, you don't really have to, but I want something like I would really like something that isn't on this list. That's also (laughs) okay. So Dory Greenspan, who is one of the best bakers in that writes cookbooks. I mean, she's a prolific cookbook writer, but she has more of an everyday cookbook out this year called Baking with Dory, salty, sweet, and simple. So it's everything from like flourless chocolate cakes to cookies. I would definitely bake from it if someone bought that for me as a gift. All right. I love it. I love Dory Greenspan too. Yes. She's a great personality too. Okay. So I think this could be like a very fun thread in our listeners community too about what cookbooks everyone else has on their wish list. Or maybe if there's a category of cookbook that we didn't hit and you need suggestions, I feel like we could always get Brian to be our secret email, secret email shopper for cookbooks. A secret email (laughs) shopper. I like it. Um, so tell us what other cookbook categories you need filled out either by joining our community or finding us on Instagram or DMing us or emailing, however you want to find us. We want to hear from you. And if you love hearing from us as much as we love hearing from you, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. We only email you twice a week, once to let you know that a new episode is published and another to share a must have tip or product of the week. It's totally worth it. So find the link to sign up on our site or in our Instagram bio. And last but never least, don't forget to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, leave us a rating or review. It's kind of like a gift for us. It's true. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.